Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How is everyone today? Splendid. I heard a splendid. Well, good. Okay. Um, my name is Emily Snyder, and I'm on the preaching team here at the Vineyard. Uh, do you guys like my slide? Thank you. Um, now, we do have an apple pen, so I could have done the squiggles, but it was upstairs, and I was cozy in my bed downstairs while I was making the slideshow, so I was like, eh, they get a text box. And I think it's fine. I think it's fine. That's right. <laughs> oh, I feel a little goofy this morning, so I hope everybody can, like, tap into that energy. Okay, good. Yay. Not every Sunday has to be serious. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> maybe this one. So we're going to be talking about <laughs> this week and the subsequent weeks in the, in the month of February. Uh, Decision-making. So if your inclination is to be like, I'll see you in March, this series is for you, okay? Uh, I'm actually really excited about this series, though, because it's really practical. Um, Adam kept telling me this week, it's less preachy, Emily, it's more teachy. Just remember, it's less preachy, it's more teachy. Um, So I'm going to try (laughs) to go there. Uh, We've all heard this saying, right? Um... There's only two guarantees in life, and what are they? Death and taxes. May I add one more to that? We've all made decisions, right? Some of them are about death and taxes, actually. Uh, This morning, you all made the decision to come here and worship the Lord and listen to announcements and a sermon. Uh, Some decisions we make are really small. Maybe you'll decide where you're going to go eat lunch uh, after church today. Now, your options are five different Mexican restaurants. (laughs) And everybody in your party will have an opinion on which one is the best. Small decisions. Some of them, though, set the course of our whole life. Who am I going to marry? Where are we going to live? Should we get a dog? Uh, What am I going to do to make money? Who said yes? The answer to that is no. No, I'm kidding. We have a dog. He's fine. Uh, What am I going to do to make money? That's a big one. Like, what's my job? Where am I going to go to college? What am I going to major in? Oh, I hate this major. I need to change it. What should I? Should I change it? Should I go to graduate school? Uh, Gosh, all kinds of decisions that we are faced with. Um, are actually really big. So I would imagine that this next couple weeks, we're not so much talking about lunch decisions so much as the big ones, okay? Uh, But big as defined by, like, you know, your personal life. Maybe lunch is really a big choice for you, and that's fine. Uh, I do want to set us with, like, two kind of prerequisites today, okay? Like, if if this were a class... Here are the two prerequisites that you would need 
before taking this class. One, we are all moving toward good decisions, okay? We're not actively trying to tank our lives. Uh, in our Vineyard Young Adult group on Monday nights at my house at 8 p.m., uh, we decided, you know, sometimes decisions might be the right one but may have a downside to them. That's not what I'm talking about. We decided, like, okay, uh, you know, we can have, make a decision. It kind of It's for the best, but, like, some of it's kind of hard. But deciding to go, like, I'm going to go do meth. That is a bad decision, okay? That's not actively moving toward good, okay? That's our baseline. It's an easy baseline, okay? Pretty easy baseline. We are all moving toward good decisions. Number two, we all want God to be involved, okay? Now, you may be sitting here thinking, I don't believe in God, that's fine. I actually think you'll get a lot out of these next couple of weeks regardless. But as a general people of faith who believe in God, who try to follow the ways of Jesus, and who listen to the Holy Spirit, we want God to be involved in our decision making. So for the next several weeks going forward, one, we're making, trying to make good decisions. Two, we want God to be involved. Can we go there? We feel good about that? Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Okay, so here's what I want to do for just a little bit. I want to get us like centered on thinking about decision making. Because sometimes when I have a decision to make, I just push it way back to the very back corner of my brain. And we're, not gonna, we're not going to think about it. Right? Let alone the process of making the decision. So here's what I did. I texted a bunch of people this week, like a bunch of people. Um, and here's the questions that I asked. Three different questions. One, what part of decision-making is most difficult for you? Let's hear some answers. You ready? Next slide. Everything. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. And the elaboration on that was everything. <laughs> Just everything. Okay, these were three different people. And I think that all of their answers kind of flowed and went along the same page. Uh, second guessing. Is this resonating with anyone so far? Uh, not trusting the decision that I make. Overthinking once I've already made the decision. Yeek. Okay. Here's another thing that's difficult. When you're choosing between two good options, but get stuck on which option is best, right? And then also, the same person said, when a decision will create strife, even though it's the right one. That's hard. That's really hard. Perfectionism and fear of failure. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. Okay, I like this one. I can relate to this. Getting myself to sit down and just think about it with the intention of moving toward 
a decision. I'm really good at just filling my mind with distractions. All the distractions. Some of those distractions can even look like a decision being made. Um, but getting myself to sit down, like actually think about it, takes some work. Here's what this person said. This is the part of decision-making that's difficult for them. If other people are involved, fear of upsetting someone or someone not being as happy as they could have been in another situation. And they also said, if I'm the only person affected, uh, knowing what I want and or missing out on some other thing that could have been better. Mm. Fear of commitment. Um, Adam has said this a bunch from this very stage. Uh, when you give a yes to one thing, you're giving a no to like a hundred other things. And the tension between that yes and the other hundred no's uh, can really grind the gears of decision making to a halt if you know that that's coming. So, fear of commitment. I like this one, too many options. Isn't that the, uh, what our culture says is good, though? You want all the options. Uh, Dusty and I are trying to like maybe think about getting a different vehicle. And it's not so much the vehicle themselves it's like do you have this model and this model and this model and this model and this like there's the se the sel the blah 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 the turbo boost blah, blah, blah. and they all just have like one thing different but it's up to us to like know that like the stitching is different on this one vehicle i'm supposed to uh there's so many options it makes me just want to be like we'll walk it's fine <laughs> i'm not doing this it's too many options it's hard all right, next slide. Okay, here's my second question. I really like this question and the responses, you guys. Gold. High fives to everybody who answered this one. What makes a decision good or bad? Mm. Usually, my not-so-great decisions have been made in isolation, not vetted by much counsel, usually avoiding obvious truth or wisdom for whatever unhealthy reason, whether it be immaturity, selfishness, or influence. Um, good decisions come from some discipline. Like they said before, sitting down and thinking about it. Right? Uh, truth, taking a minute to think about it. And I like this too, for in the moment decisions, just asking the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to go through some really like process-oriented things in the next couple weeks. But sometimes we don't have time to be like, I'm going to take four weeks to make a list. And, you know, well, sometimes like we need an answer by Tuesday. Uh, and so for those in-the-moment decisions, don't you know that the Lord is faithful to meet you on that kind of timeline? He is. Okay. Here's what this person said. What makes a decision good or bad? The shorthand I use to discern between good decisions and bad decisions is the effect it has on myself and others. 
Ultimately, some of that is hidden from us. It's true. Especially the long-term consequences of a decision. What seems good at first can have unintended negative ripples well beyond myself. How many of you have made decisions and they seem fine, but now you look back six years later and you're like, what was I thinking? (laughs) Or maybe you've made some really hard decisions that didn't seem fine, but you knew it was the right thing. And six years later, now you're like, I'm really glad. I'm really glad I did that. I've done both of those. (laughs) Okay. What makes a decision good or bad? Here we go. A lot of times I look at my motivation for my decision. If it's made out of fear, it's usually a bad decision. Sometimes it's a good decision, but with the wrong motivation. Or obviously, the trickle-down of the outcome. Will the outcome bring life to everyone involved? Okay, I love this. This person now gives the Sunday school answer. You ready? The overly churchy answer, (laughs) but honestly, probably the best. Does it bring the kingdom? Does it reflect the kingdom? If not, it's probably in vain. Mm. Yeah. It's a good one. Okay. A good decision is one that considers all individuals involved, the potential for growth, and the various potential outcomes. Also realizing that a good decision is not always the most beneficial in the moment. Definitely not always the easiest. Upon reflection, some of the best life decisions I've made, says this person, or been a part of were extremely hard, uncomfortable, and required discipline and the ability to trust the process. Does that resonate with anyone? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, third question. How does your relationship with God influence the way you make decisions? And this is kind of where we're going to land today, too. Here's the answers. I assume my decisions aren't entirely mine to make. Now, this person got cut off on this text thread with some general tomfoolery, so I didn't get a chance to have them dive any deeper, but I think I see where they're going. Y'all, these threads were wild. Okay, here's one. I think of decision-making through the lens of Luke 16.10. Faithful with small, faithful with much. I feel like I try to make decisions from a habitual place, the mundane, day-to-day. Big decisions don't feel like big or hard decisions because I put a lot of effort into making good decisions in the small things, almost like programming an autopilot. It's a lot of work to program, but once it's there, you can set it and forget it. It usually works out that the habitual, small, good decisions translate to the big ones and maybe even keep me from having to make some big ones. Hmm. That's true. That's okay. Good job, anonymous person who answered that. (laughs) All right, how does the Lord influence your your decision-making process? I love God. So I want to know what he thinks. And I want to obey whatever he says because I know his ways are better than my ways. It also means he is part of the conversation. As I mature with the Lord, I try to ask the Lord more things like, what should I do today? 
which grocery store should I go to? I want the Lord to be able to lead my days and my decisions. Notice again, small decisions help pave the way for us to make bigger and more difficult decisions. Okay, last one. For one thing, I'm much more aware of the inordinate attachments when they arise in my decision-making. Ignatian discernment principles, which uh, this person cheated. This is what we're going to be talking about this next couple of months, couple of weeks. Um, have been quite helpful, especially when choosing between two goods. Right, We're moving toward good decisions. I also feel more open to inviting others to share the process and asking others to pray with me over the seemingly small decisions. I am also aware of how my family patterns influence my decision-making process, and I know I have to spend time in silence with God to get to a place of open-handed peace when I find myself tightening my grip around one particular option over another. How many of you have ever gone uh, to the Lord about a decision, uh, and here's, here's what my hands look like. I'm going to put this thing on mute. Hang on. One hand is open, and you know, if he leads me away from that one thing, okay. But this hand... What I actually really want to do is clenched. Uh, the groundwork of being able to make good decisions is being aware of the things that we may have uh, inordinate or maybe unhealthy attachments to and processing those things with the Lord. You can do this now before you may be faced with like a decision that you weren't expecting, right? Uh, the time is now to start processing through these things so that you don't come to the Lord with clenched fists saying, help me, but I don't really want your help, but I know I need it. So, you know, not that anyone would do that. Um, yeah. So being aware of those uh, inordinate attachments and then uh, coming to a place of freedom. You have the freedom within uh, the Lord to make your decisions. That's where we're going these next couple weeks. I just want to reflect on like two things with you this morning. Uh, first is this. Our image of God affects the decisions that we end up making. Uh, here's what I mean by that. What we think God is like and how we feel in relation to him ultimately ends up affecting the decisions that we make. I'm seeing a lot of head nods. We agree. Now, all kinds of external factors uh, influence this. And part of our task in decision-making is being aware of what some of those external factors are. I'm going to talk about two. There are not only two. There are many. Um, but here's two to choose from. One, our family culture and family history. The family that you were raised in profoundly has shaped the person you are right now, whether you like it or not. Yeah. 
Um, I was having a conversation with a friend this week, and we got to talking about their family, and they were telling me stuff, and then they were like, you know, it kind of took me a while, but I've started to realize that my family's a little crazy. <laughs> how many, and in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> uh, how many of you can relate to that? Yes, it took me a while, but upon further reflection, huh, <laughs> this explains so much about how I am, who I am. However, our family of origin has shaped us. Uh, it shapes how we relate to God. And in doing so, it shapes the way and the kind of decisions that we make. Okay, second external factor to be aware of. And again, there are others. I'm only going through two. What is in the cultural waters of the moment? Um, how many of you remember the year of our Lord 2020? <laughs> okay. Started out fine, ended in a spectacular free fall. And um, we actually, I think as a culture, got downright like nihilistic about where the world was going. Case in point, every year for Christmas, uh, we buy and my family, we buy each other like ornaments, you know, and they're supposed to be like, this was, you know, what the year was about. I bought myself a Christmas ornament, and it was a bright pink dumpster on fire. <laughs> and it still hangs on our tree to this very day. I saw it this year, and I was like, ha, okay, yes. Uh, well, that was the cultural current at the time. And if you allow that to shape your view of God. God is the one who allowed this dumpster fire and he's just sitting there watching it burn. What kind of good decision-making skills have you developed? Ask me how I know. Not many. Not many. Okay? Whatever is in the cultural waters of the moment can and does shape the way that we view God and the way that we relate to him. And it is our job to ask the question, what is influencing me? Right? Um, am I going to allow these external factors to shape my image of God? Uh, to determine how I view myself in relation to him. Uh, these are valuable questions to start sitting with even this week. Uh, that you'll find that this series is very reflective. So take some time. Our image of God matters. And if you're struggling with this, I'm going to preach. I'm putting on a different hat. I'm not teaching now. I'm preaching. If you are struggling with this, if you're like, well, I don't know what my image of God is like. My family screwed me up. Or the world is crazy. Let me help orient you. I want you to bring up the next Cody thank you. This is from Romans 8. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Sounds a lot like decision making to me. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord.
God doesn't just have love for you. He doesn't just feel affection for you in his heart. He is love. I kept hearing this phrase this week, and it is beautiful. I felt like the Lord was saying, I am not the warmth. I am the flame. I am not what keeps you warm. I am the actual flame. You're not just feeling the heat. He is the flame. Uh, And his answer in the face of suffering, despair, dumpster fires, uncertainty, anxiety, his answer to all of that was to come and be with us. So the image of God that rightly guides our decision-making is this. God is with us. If you could take nothing else from this morning, take that. But there is more, so maybe take this too. Okay, the second thing is what uh, St. Ignatius described as the one necessary thing. Next slide. Thank you. Cody, you're on top of it. This one necessary thing focuses our attention and clarifies what decision-making is all about. It simplifies the challenge, but it doesn't necessarily make it easier. The one necessary thing is this. Love God first. Uh, I don't just talk to Dusty when I need to make a decision. Dusty's my husband. I don't just talk to him when we have a car to buy. What kind of marriage would that be? Not a healthy one, at any rate. Uh, None of us like to feel as if someone is just talking to us because they need something. 90% of my day is, Mommy. And I'm like, what do you need? The same is true of our relationship with God. God is not a means to an end. He is the end. I'm going to say that again. God is not a means to an end. He is the end. And if we can keep that perspective in our minds as we make decisions, it changes everything. It takes us from, if I choose this wrong thing, my life is ruined. If I go to this college over that college, I'm going to miss out big time. Or if I get this dog over that dog, I don't know. (laughs) Um, It takes it from, if I choose this thing and it ends up wrong, my life is ruined, to this decision is an opportunity to learn more about the love of God and to grow deeper in my love for him. If I could tell younger Emily anything, it is that. Choosing the wrong thing from two good options, it's not gonna run your life off the tracks. It's not. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Choosing the wrong thing from two good options, it's not going to wreck your life. The process is just as much part of the decision as the end result. And the process is journeying deeper with the Lord. Does this make sense? Oh, good. Because if you had said no, I was going to start from the very beginning (laughs) and go back over it all. Our decisions aren't the end. God is the end. Loving God and the things of God is the first step. The one necessary thing um, to develop good decision-making skills. So, uh, okay, 
I want to start, I'm going to kind of do some ministry today, if we can do that. Um, but Glenn, you guys can come back up, okay, because I think music would be nice during the ministry time. Okay, you guys noticed at the very end, we sang that, that kind of old song, I Cast All My Cares Upon. Did anybody recognize that? Okay, Ray, thank you. Okay, so that song has come up in my like life twice this week, and it's such that, why would it? right? Um, so this is hilarious. I actually, I texted a bunch of people. as like, have we been in church recently and sang that song? Why is this coming up? And they were like, what song? And then I text, I talked to Adam. I was like, Adam, did you recently reference, you know, this, you know, song I cast on my, he was like, no. And I talked to Dusty and he was like, no. So I feel like I might've dreamed it, which is crazy. Ray saying, no, did we recently sing it? He agrees then. I must have dreamed it. But I dreamt that we were like all in the room singing it together. And a woman was singing it. So, Lena, way to go, way to go. Um, But this one line from this very simple, sweet old song has really been sticking out in my head. And the line is, anytime I don't know what to do, I'll cast all my cares upon you. I have gone to bed singing that song this week. I have woken up singing that song, and I feel like that is the invitation from the Lord for us. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.